I don't give a where I play as long as I go number one in the draft. From the Erie Otters, Connor McDavid. From the London Knights, Mitch Marner. From the Washington Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. This is Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. He checks an enormous amount of boxes. Nobody in this draft did more with less. I absolutely love him. It's not his skills that anybody's concerned about. It's that playing attitude. And quite frankly, it's really poor. Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Faryastad of the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U Terriers, Brady Kachuk. He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to episode 29 of season two of Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. The director of scouting for TSN will be along very shortly. My name is Dean Millard. I am the proud owner of of Duckman's domination in the UFHL, the Mighty Mallards. New logo just unveiled in the UFAHL. And uh, we have an affiliation with High Level Scouting, owned by my wife Trish. And Craig is both the president of High Level Scouting and also uh, he's the vice president of scouting with Duckman's domination. So uh, we are all in on the UFHL and we are all in on the 2021 NHL draft. This show is where the stars of tomorrow are discovered and discussed. And here are the uh, three stars we are going to be discussing today. Luke Hughes, a defenseman out of the U.S. program in the USHL pipeline prospects, recently purchased this prospect uh, from, I believe, Ruby ISS, who originally paid two twenty-five in the futures auction. We're also going to take a look at Brennan Othman. This is a guy that uh, he really intrigues me. I played in the Swiss League this year. Spitfire Scouting grabbed him for just $55. And uh, obviously I'm really uh, interested in this one. Fabian Lysel, a forward who played in the SHL, also uh, looked really strong at the U18s. And my wife's scouting agency, which we have an affiliation with, uh, purchased him for $75 on Craig's recommendation in the initial uh, scouting auction and a lot of strategy is going to come into play if this guy falls he is the perfect type of player that we are looking for on our franchise because we do have that affiliation uh, we're also uh, going to discuss finding those gems and those stars past the second round in the ufhl we have two rounds in the nhl there's seven but so much focus is on those first two rounds and we'll just use the Tampa Bay Lightning today as an example about uh, finding gems past the first round. And we're also going to be remembering Tom Curvers, who unfortunately lost his life way too young at the age of 58 uh, due to lung cancer, an 86 Stanley Cup champion, a Hobie Baker Award, Hobie Baker Award winner, and uh, just a great, great, great gentleman. Um, he was the assistant GM of the Minnesota Wild, and he was so important for that entire state of hockey, so uh, we will definitely be uh, chatting uh, a little about that uh, with Craig Button, who knew Tom uh, very well. Craig joins us on the UFFS hotline. Scouting 
is all it's all about scouting in the UFHL. Any player that comes in goes through a scout. So if you think you've got some scouting talent, it's just like 20 bucks to register a player after you register as a scout. And there is so many opportunities. We always scout three years in advance. So this summer, and actually in the next little while, you want to sign up right away. They will be auctioning off the 2024 draft class, the top 64 prospects or or just 64 uh, prospects, uh, most of them of the top variety. Uh, it's kind of hard uh, when you're looking three years in advance because so many so much changes. But we'll be auctioning those guys off in a couple of weeks for the scouts. So get into it. Strut your scouting knowledge. You ever watch the draft and you're like, why would they take that guy or do this? Strut your stuff. Uh, list players. Get in the game where you own the game. www.uffsports.com. And also want to tell you that this show is proudly being broadcast on the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. UFSN is on the air. We've got great programming going. And if you would like to join us, send us an email, ufsn at uffsports.com. If you have a fantasy sports show, we would love to chat with you, whether it's daily, weekly, monthly, whatever. Get in touch with us. Get your show on our network. We have huge things planned uh, for everything. The platform is literally going to blow up. Uh, American football franchises go on sale next month in Vegas. Live show. It is going to be absolutely unbelievable. Get on this train while you can. All right, let's get into the 2021 draft with the director of scouting for TSN, former GM in the NHL, Mr. Craig Button. Here he is, the director of scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. Plus, he's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it. Craig Button. Craig, we creep closer and closer to the National Hockey League draft, and uh, there's such an interesting dynamic uh, near the top of a lot of uh, draft boards with so many great defensemen, and we'll kick things off with another one today, and that's Luke Hughes out of the uh, National uh, Development Program in the United States, and they play in the USHL. Uh, This uh, soon-to-be NFT was uh, purchased by Pipeline Prospects uh, after he was originally uh, won in an auction for $225. Four goals, 11 assists, and 18 games this year with the uh, national program in the USHL. He is known as a really great skater. A lot of the things I've read about uh, just rave about his skating. When you watch him, and, and there are different kind of really great skaters, what do you specifically like about his skating, and, and how would you classify him as a skater? Uh, I'd put him in the Morgan Riley class of skater. So there's no question that Morgan Riley is an excellent skater. But like Morgan, Luke has that that, that quickness, the the really good footwork, the, the outstanding agility. And he's got real terrific leverage. Uh, with, with respect to being able to, you know, gain an advantage defensively, not being pushed out of position defensively, being able to hold off 
you know, when he's under pressure, whether that be beating the beating the four check or when he's in the offensive zone trying to hold off uh, an opponent. I mean, Luke had, Luke has all those qualities of of, of, of really terrific uh, skating ability. And you know, when you think about Morgan Riley, you, you know the, the the straight ahead speed is 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 top notch and. The agility and the footwork is top notch, and much like the skating of Morgan Riley, I think that Luke has a game that is very similar to Morgan Riley's as well. Uh, you know, just a really solid, high-end two-way defenseman. You know, uh, you know Morgan had uh, that year where where he really looked like, oh boy, he's going to put up big numbers. But we've seen that before, Dean. I think what you see with Morgan Riley is what you get. He's a forty-point guy. You know, relatively speaking, within a range, he had a big spike there when he had that big uh, offensive season. He plays with good offensive players, but I think that Morgan, uh, you know, really contributes in significant areas of the game. And I think Luke is very, very similar with his approach to playing. He's not like Quinn. Quinn used his older brother. You know, when that puck's on his stick, you know, there's always uh, a thought that uh, you know some big offensive. Uh, uh, occurrence is going to ensue and a lot of times it does because that's how good Quinn is I, I don't think Luke has that same offensive capability but he's got a really strong two-way presence yeah and you combine the skating uh with the hockey IQ and that gets you confidence and and he would have uh, built that confidence you know battling against his brothers growing up but w- things that I've liked uh, when I've watched him play is that you know, he grabs the puck. He is confident skating the puck up. He can enter that zone and and then dish the puck off or a uh, puck off to somebody else. Or if he doesn't like what he sees, he's not afraid to be patient with it. And he doesn't just rush something and force some force something. Some guys can be patient to a fault, but he seems to be right on that edge with his patience of of not liking what he sees. Maybe circling back the odd time. Uh, what, what about that quality in his game? Yeah, no, I think uh, you use the word confidence, and, and Luke doesn't uh, lack any level of confidence. And, you know, you talk about developing that confidence. Well, you know, if you talk to the Hughes uh, family, it, it's all developed on the ODR, the outdoor rink. Mm-hmm. Those kids used to go on the outdoor rink and just play and play and play. And, you know, Jimmy, who who, who coached in the, in the NHL and has been a real significant uh uh, contributor to CAA in player development in recent years. Ellen, their mother, uh, you know, is in the is in the New Hampshire uh, Sports Hall of Fame. She was a terrific uh, hockey player, but but they let the kids find their way, their way. You know, they didn't say this is the way I played or this is the way you should play. They let the kids find their own way, and and you you get to as a kid, you get to try things you know, that now become unencumbered by thinking you have to play a certain way or you have to do this or you have to do that because this is the way somebody else played or this is the way I think you should play. They let the kids just play. And, you, you know, like a, like a great artist, you know, they gave them the canvas, the ODR, and, and let them go and, and, and be who they were. Jack is different than Quinn, and Quinn is different than Luke, and Luke is different than than the others. And I think that, you know, you, you gain a confidence, not just in terms, you know, you're always trying to have that confidence of being able to contribute and everything, but I think the confidence that Luke has, and Jack and Quinn, is born out of a confidence in, this is who I am, and this is my game, and these are my strengths, and this is how I am going to play. 
And I think that instead of, uh, you know, thinking you got to be something or a little bit more of this or a little bit more of that, you know, they can just be who they are. And who they are is pretty darn good. Well, and here's a softball question for you as well. He's going to, to Michigan next year uh, where he's going to be able to play uh, with another guy he's going up against in the draft potentially in, in, in Owen Power. But, you know, just the development. Uh, if you're an NHL team, you're looking at that program, that development curve, the competition that he's going to get. So when an NHL team or a UFHL team drafts him, you know that second part is going to start being taken care of. That's the development part. Identifying talent is one one thing developing it the right way is another thing and and where he's going to school you know he's going to be on that good development curve well you you, you mentioned Owen Power did you forget about Matt Beneers no no I'm talking about just <laughs> these guys right now I just, well just think about but think about the environment so so yeah. Mel Pearson and, and and the group at Michigan do an outstanding job not just not just a development on the ice, but helping players develop. Again, I go back to that to your to your previous question about confidence, right? Like, you know, getting them ready to handle the next stages of their careers and being able to do it in, in a manner where it's it's easy to to say you're confident, but when you, you've gone through the necessary steps and and what and those necessary steps are steps of maturity. Well, then you, you know that the challenges are going to be there, but you're, you're more confident in your ability to handle them because you're more ready and you've been allowed to mature. And, and certainly uh, Mel Pearson in the University of Michigan does an exceptional job of that, in, in my view. But think about Luke Hughes having to go every day in practice against Matty Beneers mm-hmm. and Johnson. Like, you know, that also helps a player develop that, you know, that day in, day out competition. Dean, you've heard it for years how players push one another. I mean, Mark Messier, same age as Wayne Gretzky, said he looked up to Wayne. And we're talking about one of the greatest players that ever played. I'm talking about Messier. We know where Gretzky stands in that uh, conversation. But you're the same age and you're looking up to somebody. But, But here's what Mark said. He goes, Wayne loved to play, but he loved to get better every day. He loved to be on the rink trying to work on things. Geez, I just described you know, uh, the Hughes and the ODR, you know, the, the famous outdoor rink in Branford set up by Walter Gretzky and, and Wayne just going and playing. And Mark Messier talking about Wayne Gretzky just wanting to get better and pushing everybody to be better. Yep, that's uh, that's part of development too. It's It's not just who's coaching you. It's also the group you have around you that are driven to be the best. Yeah, indeed, for sure. Uh, okay, let's talk about Brennan Othman uh, now, a uh, forward who uh, played in the Swiss League with EC Olten. Spitfire Scouting has this potential NFT at $55 in the original auction. And in 34 games, seven goals, nine assists in that men's league. And you got to see him at the U18s. And and obviously, I'm sure you've watched him for many years. Did you see a more confident player? We talked about confidence with Luke Hughes and and going up against his his brothers at times to build that. Brennan Othman went up against uh, some men in a really high-scoring Swiss league when I looked at these statistics. Did you see a more confident player in Texas? Uh, yeah, I, I did. And, and it wasn't just about being a more confident player. It, it was also about being able to assert yourself in, in that regard. Again, I, I'm going to go back to maturity, Dean. You know, like good players, Brendan Othman was always a good player. 
but as you move up the levels, like, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to assess it. it. It's not that you, you're not capable or you don't have the talent or you don't have the potential, but as you mature, and, and that's just not uh, physically alone. It's, it's mentally, it's understanding how the game is. We talked on, on, on a previous episode about Brant Clark and you asked me about what it was like playing against older players. Mm-hmm. And so for Brant Clark, in my view, it, it, it's not that they're more talented than him, but they have a wisdom about them. So so that helps Brant Clark understand, okay, this is what I can do. Because when you're younger, you, because you're so much more skilled than other players, you can do things and, and the repercussions, the consequences aren't going to be the same. But when you're playing against older players that are wise and have a lot of experience, they might not be as good as you, but they know how to play against you. And I, I think that becomes part of development. So when we talk about Brennan, you know, we talk about the ability to, to, to say, okay, now I'm more physically mature. I understand a little bit better. I, now I can really take my skills and my competitiveness and, and make it that much better. And I, I think that's exactly what Brennan did. But I, I, again, I've watched him play since he was 15 years of age. And, you know, Brennan's always had those qualities. But now what he's doing is he, he, he's allowed himself to mature to a point where he can become a real significant factor. The best players on the planet are, are, are the ones that can find a way through the challenges, can find a way through resistance, not because uh, of, of, a, of a competitive fire. I mean, that's, that's significant or a drive or an intensity. It's because they have skills, but they've been able to take those skills and not only develop them to, to a point where they're strong, but also to the point where they can have uh, the ability to factor in significantly in the game. So he has a great shot, uh, a very smart player from what I've read, uh, uses his size, protect the puck, uh, plays with some physicality. Uh, all of that can help him be a really good, uh, a good NHL player. If he improves his skating, could be a could he be a great player? Um, that's the one thing I've I've read that people might have some concerns with. Um, if he was to work on his skating, and there's been lots of players uh, that have done that and become really good players, um, what do you think? Or do you think his skating is something that uh, will not hold him back? Jeez, I, I, I mean, it's always fascinating to me. You hear other people's assessments and everything. I'm, I, I think Brennan's a good skater. All right. Uh, do, I th- do I think that Brennan skates like uh, the top-level skaters in the National Hockey League? No. Do I think he ever will be there? No, I don't. But do I think that'll hold him back from being a really good top-line player? No, I, I don't think it'll hold him back from being a top-line player. And, you know, you can look back at different examples and, like, you know, uh, when I watch Brennan, the, the player I compare Brennan Othman to in terms of style and type of player is Gabriel Landeskog. Mm-hmm. Now, Gabriel Landeskog works his works hard at improving his game. Gabriel Landeskog is not a great skater. He's worked to become the pace, the the tempo of his game, strengthen his in 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 in, in his balance and everything. Those are all important things. And Gabriel Landeskog is a really good, valuable player, but he's not a great player. He's never going to be a great player. But do you want Gabriel Landeskog on your team? You're talking right, I do. I want I want Gabriel Landeskog on my team every day of the week. Yeah. So I think, it, so th- this is going to be uh, what, what, what I would call uh, uh, 
it, 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 it's, it's critical, but, but, but I'm trying to look at it this way. It's too easy to say he can be great if he improves his skating. Mm -hmm. Like, like I said, it's, it's a throwaway line. Well, then everybody can be great if they improve their skating. And that's not the case, Dean. That's mm -hmm. not the case. It's simply not the case. Like, Brennan Othman could be a really good player in the Gabriel Landeskog mold. And Gabriel, just look at what Gabriel Landeskog's done in the league. It's, it's been pretty impressive. You would never put great in the front of Gabriel Landeskog's name. And I think that's where, that's where you get, uh, you know, evaluations that are off base. They're off base. Simple as I can put it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the, the, the first time I saw Mark Stone, I didn't think he was a great skater. Uh, but there are some guys, uh, as long as they don't have a piano tied behind their butt, um, a hockey IQ and positional play can can make up for not being the greatest skater. Uh, you know, as long as you can get from A to B in, in a reasonable fashion, if you know you're supposed to be there, you know your position, you're a smart player, that can make up for, uh, you know, being not being the fastest skater out there. Are we talking about speed skating or hockey? <laughs> like, you know what? In speed skating, they time you with a stopwatch, right? So you need to be fast. You're racing against the clock, not just everybody else, but you're racing against the clock. So guess what? You know, when it comes to speed skating, you need to be fast. I have seen more players that skated exceptionally fast that got nowhere fast because they didn't understand what they were doing. They had this, they had this skill of being able to skate. D, let's go look at football. How many times have you seen football teams say, oh, let's try out this track player, this track uh, athlete who's right. so fast and try to make him a wide receiver? Right. Hasn't worked. It, it's rarely worked out. It's rarely worked out. Because running fast isn't being a wide receiver. It's running fast. And if I need somebody on my track and field team to run fast, I'm going to try to look for the fastest guy. If I'm looking for a wide receiver, I'm going to look for somebody that's a good wide receiver. Bill Belichick said this years ago, you know, there's a level of skill that's necessary to play in the pros, and in this case, the NFL. And he said, you know, being able to be, you know, physical strength and everything that goes with it. And he said this. He said, do you know what the number one quality is for a wide receiver? No, I don't. Well, catching the ball is the number one. You nailed it, Dean. Yeah. Catching the ball. He goes, he says, I've seen lots of guys that ran fast. I see lots of guys that jumped high. I saw lots of guys that, you know, look great and thing, but when the game started, they, they didn't catch the ball. If you can't catch the ball, I don't care how fast you run. I don't care how high you jump. And it's the same thing with hockey. You know what? Like, like yeah, it's pretty obvious. You watch a guy and you go, geez, that guy's fast. That, that's obvious. But Okay, what does he do with his speed? Is it a factor? Does he back off defensemen? Like, you know, Dean, I only see two players right now in the National Hockey League that can skate by players. Two. In the entire National Hockey League. And that's Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon. Other than that, you can't skate past players in the NHL. So, it's not just about speed. And Indeed. it's only about speed. That, that like So, IQ slowing up, speeding up, slowing down. Mark Stone was never going to be a great skater. He still isn't a great skater right. in terms of style and flat-out speed. But what he does do is he plays the game 
quick and he plays the game fast and his mind works and he understands where to be so he doesn't have to chase around the ice and that's why mark stone is such a a, 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 a talented nhl player it's not because of his skating but his skating you, you're looking at it and you're trying to look at you know where a player uh you know can improve and whatnot mark stone improved his skating dean from the first time you saw him at brandon yep and guess what like, it's still not great. And I'm going to say this again about Mark Stone. You would never put great in the front of Mark Stone's name. So when we go back to Brendan Othman in that comment, no, I, I don't accept it. I don't think it's accurate, and I don't think it reflects potential. Perfect. Well, Craig joins us on the UFFS hotline because scouting is a huge part of the platform, and it is the lifeblood of franchises in the ultimate fantasy hockey league. Any free agent goes through a scout. Any young prospect goes through a scout. And when you're a scout in the UFFS, you don't just get to scout hockey. You get to scout every sport, and we got a lot of them coming on, American football, basketball, golf, and baseball, which I'm really excited about because I'm the head of baseball for UFFS. And you can get in the game where you own the game. You can become an independent scout. You can form a partnership. There are so many opportunities to strut your scouting knowledge. So get in the game where you own the game. Check it out, www.uffsports.com. And, you know, Craig, one of the bigger parts of, of scouting is is also, uh, you know, not just, you know, you, you want to hit it out of the park on your, your first rounders for sure and, you know, Second rounders are very valuable, but, you know, we're seeing all the time more and more the importance of really drilling down and, and making solid picks three to seven. And, you know, you could look at the last two playoffs and Braden Point, and I know you watched him for a long time. I, cu I couldn't believe I was watching this kid at 15 when he was with Moose Jaw and he got better and better. Um, but identifying those players in the third round, and, and for the UFHL, it's going to be identifying those players that, that weren't taken in the draft and then making a deal from the scouts. But you know, first-rounders and second-rounders get a lot of attention, but finding those really skilled players in rounds three to seven, uh, I, I just I just don't know if you can put a, a percentage of importance on that when you're looking at the overall drafting, Craig. Well, why don't we just stay with the Tampa Bay Lightning, Dean? Sure. Let's just stay on their organization right now. But so many of the things we talk about, and, and, and we talk about allowing a player to develop, allowing a player to mature, you know, knowing those timelines, you know, recognizing what a player's potential is, all the things. And, and because they're so good and they're, they're the most recent Stanley Cup champion, I, I think it's a good place to focus in on. So I, I'm going to go a bunch of areas here, but let, let's just try to go through it. The best player in the 2012 NHL draft is Andre Vasilevsky, 19th overall. Can't draft a goaltender in the first round. They take too long to develop, okay? So there's one of the things that the Tampa Bay Lightning just go, dismissed, right? Let's dismiss, let's dismiss that one. So now they get to the 2020, well, even the draft before that. Uh, Nikita Kucherov is a top-notch player in his draft class, top-notch. He dominates the U18 like nobody else. Still holds the record for most points in a tournament. And... Because he's Russian with a passport, he ends up being drafted late in the second round. Complete joke that the Tampa Bay, and people say this too. This is another thing that people don't understand. 
part of scouting too is just trying to evaluate where you can get a player. Mm-hmm. And you sit down and you try to manage a draft. You say, well, we think we can get this player. And they go, well, if they liked them that much, they would have taken them in the first round. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. You try to evaluate. And, you know, you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're, they're evaluating all that, right? So, you know, so now they get this guy and, and you hear, wow, you know why he went in the second round? And I go, no, I don't. Well, it's passport. I go, you're idiots. You're idiots for even acknowledging it. And I, and I say it all the time. So now we go to the uh, to the Braden Point draft. Okay, well, let's go to the Braden Point draft. So he's a third-round pick, right? All, all I know is the Claude Ruel, the late Claude Ruel, who, who I learned a lot from. Craig, watch the guy that has the puck all the time. Usually that's the good player. Braden Point had the puck. But, oh, it was five, nine. Oh, boy. Scout with a tape measure. There we go. You've heard me use that term. What about Andre Palat, who had gone through two drafts? You know, and, uh, you know, they take him in the seventh round in, in his last year of draft eligibility. How about Alex Kalorn, who was going to Harvard? And, you know, they were going to uh, draft him in the middle rounds. And they said, mm-hmm. you know what, we're, we're looking at this guy. And uh, you know what, like, it might take him a little bit longer, but he has the qualities we want. What about Ross Colton? What about him? You know, another later round draft pick went to Vermont or, or Clarkson. Geez, I forget. I think it was Vermont. But then they let him go and develop in the minors. They let him grow. They let him get better. You know, what about Yanni Gore, a free agent signing? Like, does the Tampa Bay Lightning not just embody every single thing you want when you're evaluating players and evaluating talent? Yeah. They like do. It, Trust it, me. It, it, and Al Murray is the one. He's the assistant general manager now. Al is a dear friend of mine. He's somebody that I have massive respect for. But when you go to an organization, and Al Murray was hired by Steve Eisenman. Now think about Steve Eisenman, how open-minded he is. So I'm not going to fall into the trap of, 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 of not drafting a goaltender in the first round. I don't care how big guys are. I don't care what their passport is. I don't care because he came through an organization in Detroit where they looked at all of those things. And they, and they didn't say whether you were Igor Larionov or you were Slava Kozlov or you were Nick Lidstrom or or Federal, it didn't matter. Just get good players that help your team be successful. And Al Murray, and you go back to the LA Kings, go back and look at who we drafted with the LA Kings. Key players, Quick, Kopitar, Dustin Brown, like make no mistake about it. A lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the, of the, of the uh, skeleton of the LA Kings championship teams was on the back of uh, Al Murray. And this Tampa Bay Lightning team, it's on the back of Al Murray again. Superb. But, again, evaluate what it means to be a hockey player. Evaluate what it means to be a good hockey player. Don't get caught up in all the flash and dash and wow and fluff. Okay? That's what too many scouts do at the National Hockey League level. And that's why they don't have as much success as they could. Well, and to tie it all back in, Al Murray's daughter-in-law, Ashley, won the initial Klein Cup in the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League last year. And she did it by picking a ton of Tampa Bay Lightning, 
on the advice of her father-in-law, obviously, and they went on to win the uh, Stanley Cup, and she went on to win uh, the Klein Cup. And I'm pretty sure the Stanley Cup and the Klein Cup were in the same house at one point this summer when uh, Al would have got his uh, his day and things like that. So very cool stuff right there. And and I've long been a fan of uh, of Al Murray, as you said. Uh, also a great guy too. A gr- just a great guy oh, to have a conversation yeah. with. Oh, the guy, the guy, the guy is humble. But yes. let me just tell you this. He's great at his job. Great yeah. at his job. Steve Eisenman recognized it. Julian Breesbaugh recognizes it. And much like the, and I use the New England Patriots, as you know, all the time, 20 years, 20 years, the New England Patriots, seven Super Bowls, they've been in contention every year. You know what? Just like the Tampa Bay Lightning, the secrets aren't locked away at Fort Knox with all the gold bars. If you just take the time to watch what they do, and how they go about it and understand that there's different elements, identification, patience, development, knowing the timelines, not being worried about things that don't matter. It's all there. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, all right, let's talk about this next prospect, Fabian Lysel, the uh, forward uh, that played with Lulia uh, in uh, the SHL. And on your recommendation last, I think it was last summer, it seems so long ago, but high-level scouting, uh, my wife Trish uh, bid on this player for $75. And uh, in the SHL this year, two goals, one assist in 26 games. But I did, I did some reading about this, and... I, I did read up that, you know, this is this is an example of if you're looking at the statistics to put a guy in a ranking, you are doing yourself and whoever you're working for a disservice. Because I read a lot about this, that he was, you know, maybe wasn't getting the, the top line ice time, but he wasn't getting taken out of the lineup in the SHL. And they kept giving him experience. And teams don't do that if a player isn't showing some type of development. So while the offense isn't there i'm more concerned about the reports that i was reading about him you know being in the games and then working his way in different situations through the lineups against men well i mean he started in forlunda and forlunda has a has a a terrific terrific program Mm -hmm. as we all know right and uh you know there wasn't going to be an opportunity they recognized that he wasn't going to be able to play on their on their shl team and probably for the benefit of, of fabian you know uh you know allowing him the opportunity to go play in lulia you know was something where they where they said okay you know we like fabian i mean he he, he can come back to forlanda i mean he was just loaned up there and so but but recognizing that okay even though we can't play for us it might be best for his development Mm-hmm. To, for him to go up there and play. So again, like if it was as simple as just looking at the stat sheet and the and, and the scoring uh, numbers, nobody would make a mistake. Uh, uh, Dean, I've said this numerous times. If uh, the NHL drafts players that have been the best players at the levels below them, go look at. They've all been top scorers, goal scorers. They've all been top defensemen, top goaltenders. You're not drafting guys that are five goal scorers and expecting them to be. 35 goal scores. Mm-hmm. They've been 50 goal scores that end up being that. So that being said about Fabian, like he, he, he's a very good goal scorer. He's a very good offensive player. He reminds me a lot of Kyle Palmieri. And he reminds me a lot of Kyle Palmieri at the same stage where Kyle Palmieri was being drafted in the NHL. You know, 
quick, get open, give me the puck, can shoot the puck, understands where he has to get to at the right times. And, you know, one of the things that the 2003 age group in Sweden, the forwards, and they, and they have some they have some very skilled forwards, uh, Lucelle, Robertson, Isaac Rosen, really good uh, uh, wingers. The 03 group uh, in Sweden, the center ice position uh, is not very strong. It, it, it's a very, very uh, significant hole in that 2003 born group. So when you don't have centermen that are playmakers, that can drive play, that can extract the best out of the wingers, they're not going to be able to score at the rate they can. So I watch Fabian Lucelle, I watch Rosen, I watch Robertson. They have really good qualities. And my view is, is that when they move to the higher levels and they ultimately, you know, find their way to the NHL, they're going to be playing with much better players. And I think their skill set is such that they get with the right guys that can get them the puck at the right times. They are going to be able to produce. And keep this in mind, Dean. I'm watching players. So I'll talk about Fabian Lucelle. I'm watching players. And you're watching, okay, is the player getting open at what I think is the right time? Is he getting to the right spots at the right time? Is he understanding how and where those, those opportunities are going to arise and, and the initiative? Just because the puck never got to him, doesn't mean that the player isn't showing you all those qualities of goal scoring. And, and when you've seen it, and I've seen it with Lucell and Rosen and Robertson, you, you know, it's not like I haven't seen it, and it's not like I don't think they could be goal scorers, but that's where the numbers skew. And you start to go, okay, you put that player with a really good centerman, a good playmaking uh, uh, partner, well, he, he's already doing the right things. Now the puck will get to him and he'll be able to finish. That's how I feel about Fabian Lucell and and those and some of those skilled wingers in, in Sweden. But trust me, the center ice position in the 03 group was not very good. Well, when when you see this guy, it, it's clear that he doesn't need a lot of space uh, to be able to take. You know, it's like give him an inch, he's going to take a mile because of the, that speed, and you know, obviously likes to uh, shoot the puck. Uh, did you see, um, you know, uh, different sides of his game at the U18s that uh, you 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 did see? Um, you know, the complete player that he you know he gained experience from. You know, going from playing in the SHL to playing at the U18s, maybe he had an opportunity to play a different uh, style, not style of game, but a different part of the lineup. Did you see him taking advantage of that at the U18s and, and see the experience paying off from the SHL? You know what's interesting to me is, is that I saw, I saw patience in his game. I, I think that you get into international competition and you're trying to find a way to contribute, even though you're not scoring. I think that that's something that absolutely would have helped Fabian, having played in the SHL with Lulia, understanding that I'm going to be valued for more than just goal scoring. But he, like Samu Tuomola, who played with Finland and another really gifted, similar type players, uh, Lucelle and Tuomola, I also believe, too, that they come to a tournament like this and they put a lot of pressure on themselves. Now, this is me. Players want to put their best foot forward all the time. That's just the hallmark of what they want to do. So they come to this tournament and they and they want to, or, or, or events, and they want to show, hey, listen, this is how good I am. And, 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 there's, and you want that. You want to see that initiative. But 
both of those players showed me a, a, a real understanding of, okay, I'm not going to score, but I can do other things to help the team. And I think that that's something that uh, speaks again to uh, their maturity and, and their understanding uh, of what their situation in, 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 in a current uh, scenario in a, in, in a current landscape will allow them to do and, and allow and, and some things that they may not be able to do. And I think Lucelle demonstrated that at the U18. There's always going to be times where players are like, yeah, I just want to go and I want to do more. You know, when you watch Nathan McKinnon in the Stanley Cup playoffs mm -hmm. against Vegas in that second round, you, you will never ever doubt Nathan McKinnon's skill or his drive and determination to make a difference. But sometimes he he ends up he ends up trying to do too much. I'll tell you what, give me the wild horse. I'll get the wild horse. I'll I'll find a way to get the wild horse, uh, you know, tamed a little bit. But 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 uh, the old saying goes, it's hard to uh, it's hard to make a thoroughbred out of a mule. Yeah, I'd rather have to pull back than push on a player, right, and, and get him to go. Uh, okay, let's uh, end, uh, unfortunately, with some uh, sad news. But as the Montreal Canadiens make their way, a member from their 1986 uh, Stanley Cup team unfortunately passed away, a guy that was so influential. And, and I talked to a couple NHLers this week, and they were just uh, the importance of Tom, Tom Curvers. And, you know, just uh, uh, he was the assistant GM for the Minnesota Wild, a former Hobie Baker award winner, uh, only 58 years old, but uh, a very important man for a lot of people in hockey, Craig. Yeah, I mean, if you want to know about Tom's accomplishments, you know, you can read up on them. You know, they're there for everybody to see. Hobie Baker, you know, Stanley Cup championship and everything. But we, we talked about the Tampa Bay Lightning. He was with the Tampa Bay Lightning for a very long time. And, you know, before going over to the Minnesota Wild, uh, when Paul Fenton was the GM, you know, Steve Eiserman, because before Steve Eiserman was hired, Tom Curvers was the interim GM, you know, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And so if you want to know, we talk about Al Murray, we talk about Steve Eiserman, we talk about how, how, how outstanding the Tampa Bay Lightning organization is. Well, Steve Eiserman recognized that in Tom Curvers as well. Uh, there, there was no intersection of Tom Curvers and, 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 and Steve Eiserman playing it uh, with one another. But I think all you need to know is, is that Tom Curvers had this unbelievable respect amongst everybody that crossed his path, whether it was many times or one time. And Tom was a, an exceptionally bright guy. He was a, he was a calm, understated uh, personality, but still waters ran deep with Tom Curvers. He was bright, he was competitive, he was understanding, and as a, 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 as a, as a terrific, terrific person, he, he, he's somebody that uh, left, left a real, real positive imprint on anybody that, crossed to, that, that came across him. And like I said, whether it was many times or once, Tom Curvers, you know, had that, uh, ha had that aura about him. And, you know, 58 years of age, it's, it's, it's much, much to you. Well said, Craig. Thank you so much, and we'll talk next week. Thank you. This is a serious message. Craig Button joins us on the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline. Become a scout and make money while providing prospects to the Ultimate Franchise Hockey League. 
What'd you talk about, mister? Pay that man his money. I'm your huckleberry. Check out the details at www.uffsports.com. It's serious. I like it a lot. I said we got a winner. UFFS. You own the game. stuff as always with uh, Craig Button um, you know very very spot on words uh, about uh, Tom Curvis and the Tampa Bay Lightning it's amazing when you look at that lineup and uh, not all superstars certainly Victor Hedman and Steven Stamkos uh, stand out in, in that regard as well as very high picks but uh, some other pretty impressive players as well uh, we're going to be doing Craig's Council in the next couple of weeks it'll probably be Two weeks after the draft, our final show of the season. And that's where you can ask Craig questions about, you know, how to scout, uh, tips on scouting, or about stories. We call it scouting and story times. It's a lot of fun. If you have a question you want to get in, email me, trackinthedraft at gmail.com. That's trackinthedraft at gmail.com, and we will add it uh, to the list of topics that we have going. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, please subscribe, hit that bell on the UFSN network, and you'll get a notification every time we put out a show. And here's what we have going. The UFFS podcast every second Sunday. Nick Lewis was just on. Man, that was an awesome interview. Uh, check out the YouTube channel for that one. Two Minute Tuesday with Darren Bates. This show, as you know, comes out every Wednesday afternoon. Full Count Fantasy Baseball, myself and Jordan Blundell. That's live noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Thursdays right here on UFSN. UFHL Now comes your way on Fridays. And the Ultimate Roundtable is once a month, and that comes your way on Saturday. So lots going on here on the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. And uh, make sure you check out www.uffsports.com. Dot com for all the information on the new leagues and the shows getting going. This is where uh, the stars of tomorrow are discovered and discussed. And that means it's time for me to say goodbye. Thank you so much to Craig Button, the Director of Scouting for TSN, uh, Vice President of Scouting for Duckman's Domination, and President of High Level Scouting. His passion, his knowledge, and his time. Love chatting with him about the future of the game. We will see you again next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Good luck in scouting. We'll talk very soon. This has been Tracking the Draft. For Craig Button, I'm Dean Millard. Have a good week.